Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mind War podcast. Of course, I say good morning, but you may be listening somewhere where it's evening already. So wherever you are in the world, and luckily, happily, we're noticing more and more guests from all over the world. The USA, I see, is our top market at the moment, and uh, I don't really understand exactly why all of the different cities ping up on our radar. Why don't you tell us? Tell us why you are doing us. Pop us a line. Let us know what's going on. Yeah, fantastic. That's a great idea, John. Let's ask our audience to tell us a little bit about where they're listening from, why they are listening, and of course, what value they're finding. Talking about value, we're looking forward to a very interesting chat today. But just before I go, you are, of course, on the Mind Warp podcast. The Mind Warp podcast is a, the podcast where we talk about everything technology, everything new and innovative in the mining and natural resources industry. And the we that are doing the talking is me, MP Stradom, and my co-host, John. John, introduce yourself again. The one that interjected to you is John Roo. Hello, MP. Yeah. Loving the time past our 50th podcast now, you know, going for the next record, whatever that is. And the United States uh, audience is coming in. Great. I'm looking after services and partner network in here. But on this podcast, I'm not a minor P employee like you are not a minor P employee. We are... Mine warp employees without pay, right, MP? <laughs> well, you don't have to really put it as badly as that. Then. <laughs> but yes, yes, absolutely. We're in it for the interest of the case. So what's interesting today is we'll be talking a little bit about operations centers and or remote operations centers or digital control centers or digital nerve centers or et cetera, et cetera. You get where I'm going. There are so many names that these things get called by, and we get these illusions of grandeur with some people who expect a NASA-esque control room that has a visibility of every last little piece of equipment. <laughs> MP and others think that artificial intelligence is going to take all of this over and there's not going to be a human being in sight. Of course. Yeah, it's all going to be automation and uh, automatically driven. But there's a bit of a ways to go to get there, and I'm not even sure that that's the ideal. And speaking of the ideal, that's why we've got guests to tell us more. And today, we've got a very special guest, Andy Shearing, who will be telling us more about his point of view when it comes to these kinds of operational centers and what is required. Andy is co-founder and managing partner of a company called NextGen Opex. So, Andy, welcome to the Mind World Podcast. Hi, MP. Hi, Jean. Nice to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. So we met a few years ago, and I've seen quite a few people talk about these kinds of operation centers and about visions for this kind of work. But when I saw what you brought to the table the first time around, I thought, hmm, here's someone that seems to understand the combination of requirement between operational models and operational processes and technology that goes along with that. And uh, it seems to me that many people kind of understand the dual requirement and typically people gravitate towards one or the other. But before I jump into that, Andy, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So I've already introduced you as an expert. Here's an opportunity to tell us why we should believe you. Here's an opportunity to prove it. <laughs> I'll try my best. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be who you are at the moment. Sure. I think the way you framed this discussion is really important because I think it is an area with a lot of confusion. People are viewing massively oversimplistically and mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more to the subject than I think a lot of people are giving credit to. 
So I'm looking forward to the conversation. My background, I've come from operations. I'm a processing background, but most of my life has been in general mining and in general management and so on. So two parts to my career, really. 28 years in corporate with Rio Tinto in operational roles, general manager operations type of roles in Palabora, in Copper, in Dampier Salt in Australia, uh, Northwest Australia, in Coal in the United States, GM of Jacobs Ranch Mine. Then I came back to Australia, to Perth, and was the regional head for technology and innovation. My first taste of consulting, really working for the Rio Tinto business across all commodities, actually all over the world, but with a focus on the local ones, of which iron ore was obviously the biggest one. That led to, well, a few things, really. My experience up until that point had been an observation that, you know, if you look at South Africa, Australia, and the US, they're very different cultures, but you're still a mining industry. And my observation in moving between these operations was there was no sort of, even within a single business unit, and I've seen this, this is nothing special to Rio Tinto. This is, we've seen it across the world. There's very little standardization. And wherever you went, you had to sort of reinvent the wheel. And it always was very frustrating that you had to spend a lot of time on trying to get the basics right. And I was always fascinated by how do you optimize an operation? How do you focus a team? How do you motivate people? How do you drive more value from an operation? And it struck me, there's got to be a better way than the way we're doing it at the moment. So so coming into the technology and innovation group where sort of visibility across the broader group globally, very interesting to see that at that stage, you know, there, there were a lot of incredibly capable people doing fascinating work, kept very busy, but actually not adding a lot of value. And so the whole sort of question about, well, how do you actually leverage value from this really knowledgeable center? started yeah. rear its head and I, and I got involved with some of the business models that really changed the technology and innovation group to become much more a combination of operational and technology. So that was the sort of first introduction to that kind of space. Then through my relationship with the Rio Tinto Iron Ore group, they were going through a process at the time of really looking at how do they set themselves apart from competition and really take a leapfrog ahead in the mining world. And that led to a bunch of, it was called the Industry Leadership Program, but one of the parts of that was the recognition that you needed to change the operating model. You couldn't just keep on consolidating the parts of that mining business. It was growing at such a huge pace. It was doubling and doubling again, up to hundreds of millions of tons. You actually needed to change the way you worked. And there was a decision made to establish an integrated planning function, which with a mandated planning function, as opposed to coordinated planning and a remote operation center. At the time, it was really difficult to manage these, what are now 13 mines and four ports and 10,000 people scattered over hundreds of kilometers. So an operation center with an integrated planning function. And I I was asked to uh, lead this, lead the design and delivery of this. It was very, there was been a fast-tracked pre-feasibility study, very well done, but a lot of the detail of this was not worked out. 
So yeah. it was an amazing experience to actually go through the process from fairly clean sheet of paper as to what is this animal and how do we make it work? And at the time, it was a very frightening thing because no one had ever done anything like this on the scale, not even yeah. close to the sort of scale. And if I'm not mistaken, the aim was never at the lowest level of workplace automation initially, but it was about building a an organization that is able to kind of sense and respond and plan continuously. Yes, and it's specifically the big, the big, the bottleneck in the in the operation was the rail system, and yeah. you basically had a whole bunch of mines running as individual mines. This is over dramatized to for effect, but throwing material at the rail, and the rail was trying to optimize this, but they're all guarding their information. And what happened was we turned that around to make the rail king with a mandated integrated planning system with high visibility that they then dictated what they took from the mines. And help me out if I'm if I'm wrong, but at least about 10% in, increased capacity. Oh, wow. was it not also the case that the rail was not owned by the company, but it was a, a national resource and that there was therefore you know, additional external stakeholders whose demands also had to be considered in this process? No, fortunately not. That wasn't the case. No, it's a fully okay. owned rail system. But still, it was 1,500 kilometers of rail. Wow. <laughs> but before we continue diving into, you know, the topic, Andy, uh, where do you live? You know, what do you study? Uh, I believe you've worked in South Africa for a long time. Yeah, I'm African-born, born in Zimbabwe, grew up in Malawi for sort of 10 years, my childhood, and then my all of my schooling years, our family had moved to the UK, but then went out to South Africa. I was 17 years there. It was the days before people moved around, and that gave, I think, me a much deeper appreciation for how to do things in a systematic way and in a sustainable way, because you had to live with your own work. You know, often, often now I think the turnover of people in roles is such yeah. that, um, you know, you can go for a sugar hit and you don't have to live with the consequences. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, but maybe just to finish off my story there, the Operation Centre project was phenomenal and it was hugely successful. And we'll come back and talk about some of the reasons for that and, and how to go about that. But at that point, after 28 years with Rio, I felt like we just opened the crack to open the door into a whole new world of opportunity to do things differently. And whilst this operation center was such a symbolic thing and everyone in the world was interested in it, it was clear to me that it's actually not all about a center. <laughs> it's yeah. much more than that even though it had released a lot of value. So I went into independent consulting and basically spent the next five years working with dozens of the major mining companies all over the world, which was phenomenal, looking at huge global corporations down to individual companies, down to individual mining departments in different commodities and different cultures, North, South America, Africa, Australasia, and so on. So got to look at the subject in an amazingly diverse way and really got to understand and clarify in my mind actually what the issue is. What is the missing link? The missing link isn't an operation center. The missing link is integration. It took a few years to really crystallize this, but over the course of five years as an independent consultant, got to really define very clearly the subject of integration 
what it is, why it's important, why it's important now but didn't used to be important 20 years ago, and actually how you go about it and what are all the different elements and what are the practicalities. So phenomenally exciting and fascinating subjects, and it's only got more interesting as I've got more into it. I got to the point where I thought, well, okay, we've cracked it now. We've got, we've got the framework. This is the answer. And then you realize, well, actually, unless you can take a leadership team on the journey to actually transform their business in the right way, you end up with a great thing that people pick and choose and cherry pick and don't do it right. So we set up uh, Next Gen OPEX. I brought in a few partners with some of those other different specialist skills. And we've now been going for seven years, and we specialize solely in, in integration. And we've done some fantastic work. We've done future operating platforms, designs for a number of major companies. We've done integration between you know, mega mergers, Komatsu and Joy Global, when they brought those two businesses together. We did, we did that global integration for them. We've done more recently, up until COVID, two and a half years with uh, Sassel Mining in South Africa, installing a fully integrated operating model, which has allowed them to really transform uh, completely the way they set their operation up for success. It sounds like an absolute wow moment, the integration part, but you'd mean different things with integration, and we'll dig into that uh, a little bit later. But uh, if you only told the story of Rio Tinto, one could have said, Mm, operating centers for a very large company with hundreds of thousands of tons and a rail. We not we don't look like that. So this thing is not for us. We don't need that. But then, as you say, you've used that experience to go and look at all kinds of other patterns to crystallize, you know, the, the common parts thereof. Exactly right. And and one of the with those early centers, and I was also part of doing the original work to get the next big IROC BHP iron ores uh, IROC uh, off the ground. And have stayed close to a number of others and have designed a number of others uh, around the world. But you're right. People often look at a, an iron ore situation and say, wow, this is amazing. But yeah, this is, we're different. And that's because, and often people who, if they walk away with that, it's because they're looking at an artifact that's for a particular fit-for-purpose situation. Okay. The key is you've got to understand the principles what you're doing, why you're doing it, and so on. Once you understand that, you can apply this to anyone. You can apply it to any mine, any industry. You could apply it to running a, a restaurant, you know. So on the 28th of June, I just looked at my records, 2019, I had the privilege for you to give us a full presentation, a three-hour presentation, which is the tip of the iceberg of what you then do with clients, like you say, two and a half years with Satsal, et cetera. Now, when you say integration, those technologists on the call will say, ah, this is it. I knew it. Integration is about technology. But what I realized, and looking back at my notes now, that's not what you mean. You mean a lot of other things with integration. Exactly. And the fundamental dilemma, paradox, if you want, that the mining industry is facing is this, that it's a very capable industry, right? You've got incredibly smart people doing amazing things. There's no, no taking away from that. But you've got this technology boom coming, and it's coming fast, and it's going to change the world over the next five, 10 years. 
they're going to be massive changes. And you hear a lot about uh, automation, certainly digitization. It's coming. It's real. You'd better get with it. If you don't, you're going to fall behind and you'll probably die in the process as a business. It's coming very fast. But at the same time, you've got operations are going backwards. Operations are not getting the fundamentals right. Their productivities over the past 20 years have declined significantly in the face of new technologies, higher scale equipment, and so on. You've got even the basics of mining operations often aren't quite right, but certainly integrated planning isn't done well. You don't have good operating discipline. You don't have stable, predictable operations. You don't have standardization or sharing or replicating across within companies. You've got the short-term urgent as taking priority always over the long-term. <laughs> And, you know, continuous sustainable improvement is absolutely, we're nowhere near that as an industry. It's, it's up and down, up and you, fo- you drive improvement with a big stick and a loud voice, as I always say. And the moment you fix that, you go on to the next thing, you've driven it with a big stick and a loud voice. And once you fo- move that focus, it drops off again. It's not systemic, it's sustainable. And, and if you're going to just digitize, if you think of it this way, You've got digital going exponential, operations going backwards. There's a problem. If you digitize rubbish, you're just going to get repeatable rubbish. You've got this operational space, and no one is doing that. Everyone's playing in the sexy technology space. And with a couple of little artifacts like an operation center in the middle to try to bridge the two, it's much, much deeper than that. There's some fundamentals that need to be sorted out and simplified that will remove a lot of the friction and frustration within the mining industry. And that's what we focus on. You know, we see there's an opportunity and there's a need, and that is what motivates us, is to change the industry for the better. It's, uh, there's no silver bullet with technology. I think anyone with any sense knows that you can't just take chaos and just digitize it and all those pesky people issues will all go away. Ain't going to happen. It's more complicated than that. Andy, but it also sounds like there's no quick fix here, you know, because there's extreme process and people issues to deal with in this new world. And we so often see clients buying a piece of technology and a three-month project and then wondering why the change doesn't stick. Yeah, no, exactly. You see it all the time. So so you see improvement, decline, improvement, decline, improvement, decline. Operations are tired of initiatives and they can all quote, oh, this one was absolute waste of time. This one nearly destroyed the company. This one was was really good, but I don't know what happened to it, you know? (laughs) But there's nothing- And six years on, the company still does business exactly the same way that it used to do business. Exactly. And if you look at it, what the industry hasn't seen is that the world has changed profoundly over the last 20, 30 years. 20, 30 years ago, it wasn't nearly as complex the job of, say, an operating GM at a mine site. Now the operations are bigger, deeper, wetter, lower grade, more impurities. They're more geographically dispersed, often thousands of meters up in the Andes or something. Uh, you've got health and safety, you've got environmental issues, you've got massive community challenges, you've got compliance issues, you've got expansion projects that are thrown on operations, you've got data coming out of your ears, but somehow less clarity of what the heck's going on. You've got more corporate initiatives, more corporate interference. So I want to just quickly, because we're running out of time here, I think we, as one of our colleagues love to say, we violently agree. You know. <laughs> so here's the question. 
companies are employing innovation and it is innovation both in technology of equipment as well as innovation in methodology and of course digital innovation in itself has lots of promise who have you seen maybe a little bit self-servingly if you don't mind you know because we are interested in information integration and data-driven decision making you know from our perspective as well have you seen anyone that can take data turn it into information and actionable insight within the window of the opportunity to make a difference first of all say that certainly all the big major mining companies are doing fantastic kind of yeah. work in the space but it's all point things what's missing is an integrated strategy and particularly in a brownfield situation it's really really uh -huh. hard the journey that we've been taking uh, Sasol Mining on is an example of something that's fully integrated where you can actually leverage that more effectively. I would say probably from my experience, you know, certainly the Rio Tinto operation centers and BHP operation, yeah. IROX, fantastic, but they're not full integration. They're taking a part of, of things. Roy Hill is an interesting one. Roy Hill Iron, Iron Ore Mine in Western Australia. Okay. Um, because it's a greenfield operation and it was set up from the outset as a fully integrated, digitally advanced operation. And probably for me, that would be the, the standout. But unfortunately, that they can still take that further with, and you know, it has to date been just a single operation, which is a lot simpler. But the bigger challenge is when you convert transforming brownfield operations, it's a different challenge. And generally, the level of integration maturity is really low. If you look at a scale of zero to five, zero being totally reactive and five being fully integrated, the industry is generally around a one. The best in the industry are around a two in general. And, and boy, are proud of how good they are. And the ones, they just want to be twos, but they're missing yeah. the four or five. And, and this sure. is, comes back to the challenge of how do you leverage technology? Ali, earlier you mentioned principles. You've very well established in my mind why we need to do this. And you are constantly convincing me every time I talk to you and I look at our clients. What are those principles that you operate by that you've distilled over so many years and working at a big site and then at many sites and in your business as well? The key is, in simple terms, if you ask, you know, what is integration? I say integration is about aligning everyone and everything in a business around delivery of the right business strategy. And what we find in operations is that actually that's very far from the case and this across the world, that actually there's huge misalignment and a lot of siloed thinking. And it's natural because people try to work collaboratively, but it's hard. It's actually easier just to say, oh, this is getting too hard. I'm going to go back to just get my bit right, you know, and then everyone else can look after their problem. So mm. you actually need to set up the business consciously to be aligned better. So how do you align everyone and everything around the business strategy? Well, what you've got to do is you've got to optimize the parts of the business and you've got to optimize the whole, and you've got to do that in a way that facilitates integration between the two. So whole system optimization is crucial. What we focus on is two things, the whole system and the interfaces between the parts in the business. Okay. Generally, management operations are set up to manage the parts. They're not set up to manage the interfaces and the whole. So okay. that's that's the approach. 
And to do that holistically, you've got to really look at five key areas. You can't just do one. And again, okay. you've got to look at your management process, transparency of information, the collaborative environment, integrated systems, and the organizational architecture. What people often do is they say, well, yeah, we've done all that, but they've done yeah. it in isolation. It doesn't all tie together. That's yep. the key to this. Andy, I've seen some of the material that you use that showed us from clients, etc. The stuff that you just spoke about sounds like MBA 101, okay? So it can easily be construed as, yeah, we heard that before, but there's more to that. Yeah, I mean, the devil is in the detail, right? It's common sense. And actually, everything about integration is common sense. But operations are not set up for everyone and everything to align around the business strategy. Yeah. So you can say, well, yeah, okay, that sounds like a motherhood statement. But actually, how do you do that in practice? And that is why, without turning into some rocket science process, this is actually very basic stuff, but it's doing the very basic stuff in an aligned way and in a holistic way. That's, yeah. that's the key. And the devil is in the detail of exactly how you do it. You need to have real operational empathy. You need to understand integration. You need to have deep operational empathy and understand the practicalities that operations face. And you need to have an ability to take the leadership team on that journey uh, with you. And that's what we've set up NextGen OpEx, which stands for Next Generation Operating Platform. That's how we set up this business, is to focus on those things. And yeah, I also want to explore with you integration. Now, you know, on my statement that, you know, a technology person will think, oh, that this is only system A to system B. You mean much more than that. Yeah. You know, this is the problem. Often people say, yeah, we've got an operation that's highly integrated, but it might be highly integrated around some bottleneck, which is just a part of the operating system. But it needs to go into the long and medium and short term planning and into the support functions, into all the meeting processes, into the strategy, into the risk management. Integration, by definition, means you're aligning everything. If you've got 100 parts to something and you're integrating three things, it's not integrated. It's just combining a few things. So integration becomes complex because it's not just the value chain. It's hierarchy. It's geographical area. It's time frame. It's certainly planning, execution, and improvement. Uh, those three areas that are, are thrown together and they end up getting done poorly. The key sure. is to become much clearer about how those three things are done. Andy, and what comes to mind now is that lots of operations leads gets put in place for, I don't know, three years. And when he takes over, he goes, what levers am I going to pull? And then, you know, you come along and you say, this is all the things we need to do. And then, then they might they go, let's put that into a too difficult bucket. I'm only here for three years. That sounds too difficult. How do you get about that? And how do you get internal change agents to lobby for this? I mean, this is the fundamental challenge we are facing as a business is because we're trying to change a deeply entrenched paradigm that everyone in the industry has grown up as accepting as the norm. So we are tackling this by developing great case studies, demonstrating value and broadening our offering to include things like leadership training. We see a massive gap in leadership training. We've got an online leadership training course that can be done. It's interactive course. It's not just a self-learn. It's done in a cohort. But that's part of the equation of getting out there. Our challenge as a business is to change the industry. That's what we're setting out to do. And it's no small feat. 
I've just finished in the process of editing a book on the subject, which will hopefully go, you know, some way to also educate in the industry as why this is important, what's got to change and how to go about it. This is a journey for us, but uh, we're winning that argument because it's absolute rock solid common sense once you face it. What's interesting, Jean, is that the driver should be the dysfunctionality of current operations. And anyone working in operations can quote, wax lyrical on the challenges of operations, that those are going backwards. You're missing tens of percents of improvement. Should be the driver. But everyone's in the same basket. So actually, relatively speaking, it's not a big driver. The, the imperative driver is, interestingly, the technology. Technology is coming. People are scared. They know you can't just digitize rubbish. How do you go about that? Actually, the technology is the push. And that, for yeah. us, is often the stronger lead. Embi, uh, your opinion on this, and maybe you can inquire from Andy about you know, his views of the different types of control mechanisms. I think, Andy, you were talking earlier about people jumping on digital campaigns or specific issues or uh, technologies and hoping that that would make all the difference. And we see this when we look at different companies who either employ or implement control rooms or orchestration centers, I've heard them called, control towers or digital boardrooms, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, this is an emerging science all by itself because there are levels of decision-making that are distributed across an organization that now needs to be kind of consolidated into some kind of operation center in order to achieve the value or the business outcomes which were planned. What are people doing out there? If you've kind of group them into layers, maybe the kinds of places that addresses workplace issues, maybe at mine issues or, or then higher issues for a group. Sure. The biggest problem when you're talking about operation centers of some sort, the biggest problem is that people look at these and they look very sexy if they design nicely. Any number of companies can design a pretty control room, right? And it looks very impressive. And people come around and say, I want one of those. And you go back to the operation, you tell your team, we've got to have one of those. And they go and they build one. And then you find, well, actually, it hasn't really added a lot of value. And, and it actually has created some other problems. So again, back to the point that this is poorly understood. There are a lot of different forms of these. I'll talk about in sort of progression, yeah. there's three big ones. One is a centralized control room. And that is you bring control room operators together. You maybe bring the crusher and the grinding and the flotation or something yeah. like logistics operators together and you put them in a control room. There's value in that. Maybe there's sort of one to 5% value improvement in that. But it's remote operations. That's what you're doing. If you go to the next level, which is so from a centralized control room to an integrated operating center, that is a centralized control room plus integrated planning with a mandate plus mm -hmm. integrated improvement. And that is where the Rio BHP centers generally pitch. And that will give you 10, 15% improvement in value. So you've gone from one to five to 10 to 15. But it's still not talking to the operations. It's not fully integrated. It's not totally built around the strategy. The data is great in the center. You've created an incredibly powerful center, but you're only as strong as your weakest link. So your outliers are, are not strong still. So the third level and the ultimate, and this is where we play, is the fully integrated operating model. 
It's not a scene theory, it's a model. <laughs> That's right. And this is multidimensional. This is absolutely an integrated operating center is a great way of future-proofing a lot of the stuff. But this is now multidimensional. It's holistically designed. It's focused on simplification, focus, clarity. It's creating the working environment, makes it easier for people to do what they're supposed to be doing, not just in the center, but also out of the sites. So often there are then satellite of really an integrated, an IOC in a center should, if it's got multiple mines, should have an IOC at each of the mines. And, mm. and then that should have pieces. It's like a hub and spoke model. Mm. And it's mm. got to be co-designed with the leadership because you're actually transforming the whole way the business is doing things. It can't be something that's designed by a project team and then put onto operations. It needs to be co-designed with them. Surely there must be some kind of industry best practice or standards that are emerging for these kinds of rooms. Have you run into that? Well, certainly an IOC, the Rio and BHP ones are fantastic. Royal Hill, as a greenfield, it is a step above because it's been designed as a digital operation in the first place, which makes certain things a lot easier. Beyond these examples, do you see standards that are emerging? Like the GMG and other other organizations, are they touching us? They've got the short interval control paper out for underground no, mines. I see the focus on the center. So the center mm -hmm. becomes good. The, the processes are getting better in the center, in the IOC itself. But out in the workplace, it's been used as a center to compensate for the fragmentation out in the workplace rather than yeah. a holistic system. And if you get the whole system right, in the best of companies, you could take any of the top mining companies in the world, you'd get another 20, 30% latent value that's stuck and lost. If you go to, to some operations that are struggling a bit, it can be 40 or 50%. This is absolutely enormous value that's stuck because people are pulling in different directions. And that is still early days. And as I said, the, the best example of a fully integrated operating model would be Sasol Mining right now although they are not as advanced yet in the integrated operations center side as BHP and Rio and so on. But we're getting there, and there will be more of these coming out done in the proper way over the next few years. Yeah, and of course, many of these centers are constrained by innovation and technology, constrained, for example, by automation capabilities of the mechanical fleets and the technology that they choose maybe for post-mining, processing, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, we're looking forward to see and to hear from you more about some of the great cases that you've seen. You've talked a lot about case studies. We'd love to see more about that as well. But we're out of time. So I'm going to ask you to end off again for us and tell us a little bit about what you are reading. We always ask the question to get a bit of insight into what you think is interesting. And this could be anything from Sherlock Holmes to 1984. Okay. Well, first of all, I'd say what's on my bedside table at the moment is the book that I'm writing, which is uh, <laughs> to try to bring some clarity to this picture. That'll be out uh, probably around April time next year by the time it's got through the publishing. Awesome. There are two books that have sort of influenced and have been real interest to me and in this whole subject. One is Jim Collins' Good to Great. He I is love that book. Classic. Yeah. All-time favorite. It's yeah. so true, and it's so true of, of the mining industry that they're good companies that are always chasing the shiny object. What's the new thing? It's lean, it's total quality management, it's asset management, it's something, you know, and, and it's up and down and up and down and up and down, and, and it never quite really takes off. You know, we're seeing the mining industry actually going down in productivity in general. 
Whereas the great companies, they know what is important. They turn their business into a machine and everything they do is about systemically improving things. The accentuation on leadership, level five leadership and the flywheel concept of that book is great. Uh, Absolutely. But you get to the point where you've built a capability and a stable, predictable operation that can then take advantage of certain opportunities and has options to absolutely take off and separate themselves from other businesses. And you see that with some of the tech companies now. That's the one. And the other one, which is quite interesting, is also a few years old now, that really got me thinking, is Tony Sieber, Clean Disruption, where he talks Mm. about energy and transport and how these are going to change dramatically in the way all of our lives and our personal lives and our work lives are, are going to be done in the future. It's just a matter of time. You might disagree with him on the timing, but it's coming. And it's part of this, this onslaught of technology revolution that we better be preparing right. for. And you can't predict that. Mining isn't going to get a slice of that, but it needs to be ready for it. And it, it has to deal with this problem of not getting the fundamentals right. It's got to sort out the basics. Those two have been a really important context for me. A previous guest, Rikas Grimbreek, mentioned that was part of his coaching 10, 15 years ago. And a lady took him through steps. She said to him, what are you going to do with your business when energy is for free? What do you need to prepare now for that process? So, you know, and that's starting to get become true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... The fun, what we look in here, there's, there's no rocket science with this. This is, this is about getting the fundamentals right. Tell me why you would not go out of your way to align everyone and everything around the business strategy. Because we don't do that. Absolutely. <laughs> chasing this and automation and this and, 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 <laughs> and, you know, let's just get the basics right. Mining needn't be as frustrating and hard work as we make it. Too easily people say, oh, yeah, but we mining. Mining is different, you know. No, it's not. It's a sausage <laughs> machine. Andy, and- you've re-established the why for us. Thank you very much, Andy. <laughs> it was great speaking to you. John, I think we agreed that we could probably sit here talking for another hour. But Andy, thank you very much for spending the time. And we look forward to working with you to taking our clients from good to great. And, and hopefully there will be many clients for you also going forward. And good luck also with the book. We look forward to reading yeah. it and learning from all your wisdom. And we'll check in with you after the book's been published and after both of us have read it. We'll do a podcast with you. Definitely. Thank you so much, Andy. Appreciate your time. Thank you.